Welcome to the Fair Talks Podcast, where we educate everyday people for extraordinary change. I'm your host, Alicia Chan, Executive Director of Fair Trade LA, a community of business members, nonprofits, and fair trade enthusiasts driving proactive, sustainable solutions for a fairer world. I'm also a social entrepreneur with a passion for ending poverty and creating dignified jobs. Together, we'll explore how fair trade changes lives and communities and what we can do to address some of the world's biggest problems right in our own homes. Let's dive in. Fair Talks is brought to you by Fair Trade USA, the organization that brings you the Fair Trade certified label. Fairtrade USA is committed to building an innovative model of responsible business, conscious consumerism, and shared value to eliminate poverty and enable sustainable development for farmers, workers, their families, and communities around the world. There are so many things I love about the Fairtrade business model, but one of my favorite things is how it can truly become a solution to some major global issues such as human trafficking. A 150 billion dollar industry. It feels too simple to be true. Us buying some fair trade product here can actually help create a path to freedom for someone trapped in sexual exploitation on the other side of the world. Like we can actually help one of the millions of people trapped in sex trafficking in which 99% are women and children. The answer is yes. Yes, we can. And the key word is the one. Yes, we can help the one. Mother Teresa once said, never worry about the numbers. Help one person at a time. And I believe that is what our purchases are capable of doing, helping the one. Today, we're going to learn about a working business model that is literally helping exploited women and girls experience freedom, come out of brothels, and stay out of brothels. Today, we get to meet and learn about Starfish Project. At Starfish Project, survivors of human trafficking and exploitation experience freedom, establish independence, and develop careers by creating beautiful on-trend jewelry. Through the work of Starfish Project, previously exploited women and girls are invited to leave brothels and find freedom. Through the social enterprise, women establish independence by receiving training in literacy, math, computers, and life skills, all while creating beautiful jewelry. Starfish Project has served thousands of women and girls through their community outreach and has employed and trained over 180 women through their jewelry company. Starfish Project has established the only safe house and training facility for women escaping exploitation in their city of over 20 million. Many of the women in the program have gone on to develop careers in photography, design, and accounting. The life transformations are incredible. I'm so excited to share my conversation with the founder and executive director, Jenny McGee of Starfish Project. She has committed her life to serving people in Asia, a place obviously very close to my heart. She never dreamed that building relationships with marginalized women in brothels would result in the aftercare organization and social enterprise now known as Starfish Project, which was founded in 2006. She has watched in amazement as Starfish Project has grown from five ladies engaging around a dining room table to now over 180 women completing their full program and moving into leadership positions. I'm so excited to share this deep dive with you today. 
Starfish Project is giving our listeners a generous discount off their site. So make sure to stick around until the end for your exclusive discount code. Now, let's dive in. Hi, Jenny. Thank you so much for joining me all the way from East Asia. I know that we're in different time zones, but I'm so glad we made it work. (laughs) Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, I'm so, I've been looking forward to this conversation for many reasons. (laughs) It's going to be so good. I guess, first of all, thank you for your commitment to serving the people in Asia. Obviously, that's close to my heart. (laughs) And for dedicating your life to giving hope and a path to freedom for women who are being trafficked. Now, before we dive into this amazing company that you, you've you started, can you tell us how you found yourself in Asia working with marginalized women? Like, where did you grow up? And how did you find yourself in Asia? And how did you just discover, I guess, your passion like this? Yeah, so I actually grew up in small town, Indiana, very different from my life today, but I attended Bethel University in Indiana and they had a study abroad program and part of that was traveling to Asia and I just really fell in love with the people here. I studied at a small school and just just connected deeply with the students there and you know it was a completely different culture different world worlds apart at that time especially but yeah just really fell in love with it and wanted to move here after I graduated and ended up getting married and moved here with my husband and we've been here now 21 years Wow, that's so incredible. Oh my goodness. There's like so many questions I have, but (laughs) okay. I guess before we dive into like how you got into working with survivors of trafficking, like how did you even manage the transition from a small town to, you know, a, a big city, but also like a different culture? Yeah. Um, You know, it's funny. I feel like it sounds funny to say, but I really felt at the time I was just so excited to be here. Mm -hmm. And so just loved the place that I didn't really feel like it was that difficult to transition. I also feel like the people here are so incredibly welcoming and so gracious when you butcher the language (laughs) as you're you're trying to study. People are just so encouraging as you grow in your Mm -hmm. language And to be honest, it didn't feel, it was definitely a challenge, but it felt like an exciting challenge Mm -hmm. that I really wanted to embrace. Yeah. And your husband just dived in with you. (laughs) Yeah. He he actually grew up in Hawaii. And so he was actually a little more familiar with Asian culture and is different in Hawaii than here. But, but I think there were some things there that he was really interested in growing up and wanted to explore more. And, and then once we were here, we just built relationships. And I think when you connect with people and you become close to them, you're very motivated to mm-hmm. learn their language and understand them better and understand more about their culture. And so it's, yeah, very motivating. I think through relationship, um, yeah. that culture gap becomes much smaller. Wow. I mean, that's a power couple right there. That's, (laughs) I am so inspired. Wow. Okay. So we'll we'll say upfront, you are in a sensitive country. And so this is why we're keeping it general. We're keeping it East Asia, but yeah, I guess, how did you discover the issue of human trafficking there? And yeah, I guess, tell us more about that journey. Yeah, so I really came with a heart to surf, but didn't know exactly what I was going to do. And <laughs> ironically, I I came upon the issue because 
we've had starfish now over 17 years. And at that time, people weren't talking about human trafficking a lot. So even when I would first go back to the States and talk about it, a lot of people would ask me, what's human trafficking? And Mm -hmm. people really hadn't even heard of it. But for me, I had a friend who was becoming aware about human trafficking. And we'd see a lot of women who are being exploited in in the streets and in massage parlors and different places. And so, so she actually, she had a heart to reach out to the women in and I kind of came along as a translator wow. <laughs> and then I heard the women's stories and it just broke my heart and I was a terrible translator <laughs> <laughs> because I would get so engrossed in what they were saying I'd forget to translate <laughs> but my heart just really broke for them and I saw that you know a lot of them were young girls 15 16 years old now we actually see a lot of 12 and 13 year olds regularly but they were often sent to the villages or sent to the cities from the villages. And a lot of them were making money so their brothers could go to school. Mm-hmm. And that really broke my heart at the time. I could just see the sort of, that a lot of them were really smart, but had never been given opportunities. Some of them never went to school a day in their life. A lot of them had maybe second grade, third grade education. And mm-hmm. so so I met young women who said, you know, I, I even tried to be a waitress, but I couldn't write down what the people ordered. Wow. And so I saw they just needed opportunities. And so mm-hmm. we really started Starfish Project out of a place of wanting to provide opportunities for people who hadn't had them before, but, wow. but were ready to seize those opportunities as, as yeah. much. I mean, that's, that's why you've been there for 20 plus years. <laughs> like it's that heart, that passion behind it. It's beautiful. So yeah, that's a perfect segue to now diving into the Starfish Project that you started. How did you come up with the name, the idea, even to focus on like dainty jewelry? And maybe you've, you've changed along the way, but how did you like land on that? And how is your business structured now globally? Because you are living in Asia full time, but yet we all know about you here in the US. So yeah, like tell us about that. How your team tell us about your team. Tell us everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So well, we we started with jewelry mostly because it was something small that we could easily send. In the beginning, I didn't have some amazing business plan. I was a literature major. So you know. <laughs> really the first thing about business, but I saw that the women needed opportunities. They needed income. And so they were interested in jewelry and we could prepare a lot of it, send it back with friends to sell, sell to their friends in other countries, or, you know, we could take a lot of it in a suitcase and put it up somewhere and sell it. And so it works really well. And um, and as we grew, we the name really came from the parable. I, I um, imagine most of you know the famous parable about the starfishes. And so there's this boy who is there's all these starfish by the sea, and he's throwing them into the into the ocean. And an old man comes along and asks him, you know, what are you doing? And the boy said, well, if I don't throw these starfish back into the sea, they're going to die. And the man said, but there's so many of them. How can you ever make a difference? And so he picked one up and he threw it in the ocean. Then he said, I'm making a difference for this one. And I think that's really the heart of starfish. We've just seen the issue of human trafficking and exploitation can feel overwhelming. And you feel like, what can I possibly do to help? But if we just focus on each person one by one, even within that, I've seen them be transformed, their children's lives be transformed. And, you know, when women have an opportunity and they 
they take it and they like take this brave step to to start a new life it's really powerful what can happen mm-hmm. and then we see women who invite their other friends out of the brothels to mm-hmm. to uh, start a new life as well and so I think yeah. the impact is increasing but yeah it just starts with each each one person wow that is beautiful that is so powerful <laughs> Yeah. How is your business structured globally? And yeah, how's your team formed and how do you guys all stay connected? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we so we're spread out all over. We're in Asia and then we have a team in the States and then we just we actually just launched in the UK, which we're really yeah. excited about. Yeah, we have most of our team in Asia is survivor leaders, survivors who are either, you know, most of the women start on the production line. We try to look and see what are their gifts, what are their talents, and what are they interested in. And and then we also provide regular opportunities for them to try different different aspects of the business out and see see what parts of it excite them. And so Pretty much every level of our business, we try to use survivors to, to, we try to use every level of the business to provide opportunities for survivors. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like whether it's accounting, graphic design, photography, the women are involved at every level. And so that has been one thing that I think is very unique about Starfish Project and that we're not just making we're not just making jewelry. The jewelry is providing opportunities for them to do accounting, graphic design, all, all the different things. So when you go onto our website and you look, you look at it, other than the English writing, yeah. <laughs> pretty much everything about the website is created by survivors. Wow. And so women study photography, they're training other women in photography, mentoring them, even the back end of the website, the inventory counts, all of it is done by women who come through our program. And then they're able to communicate with our team in the in the US who is helping, you know, with recruiting sales with our distribution. So we send it to a little office in, in Indiana, and then the jewelry goes out from there. And so our team is able to communicate with each other. Some of our team here has learned to speak English well, but those who have it, they're still able to work together because we use like Google Translate. It's amazing these days how much you can work together as part of a team. And we have women who are on other sides of the world who don't even speak the same language, but they have genuine close relationship with each other because they're working, you know, through Google and through uh, translated meetings. And (laughs) so it takes a lot of work to, to bring a team together across different locations and even cultural understanding. And so it has a challenge, but I think it's really rewarding on all sides. I can see the women in our program really blessing women in the state. Mm-hmm. and women in the state blessing them and it's yeah. very different cultures but a lot of the same struggles same challenges that women face everywhere yeah. in the world and they can- <laughs> are you still the one translating these meetings now <laughs> <laughs> sometimes but yeah. there's quite a few of us who can, yeah. who can help with that <laughs> but yeah. I'm sure COVID has also made it difficult for any I guess physical meetings, right? Like getting people together. We actually had lockdown borders for three years. And so our team had it. There was a lot of our team that I hadn't even met because our U.S. staff 
we hired some of them we hired during COVID and I couldn't leave the country here. So, but I recently was able to go back to the States and connect with them in person. We had tons of Zoom meetings all these years. Yeah, it it was definitely challenging. Even between our branches here in Asia, we weren't able to travel to each other. So I think the longest season was over a year. We weren't able to go between cities. So yeah, it definitely had its challenges. (laughs) But you made it through. You're on the other side. (laughs) You must yeah. be so proud that you guys are here. I'm so, <laughs> I'm so glad. Okay, so Starfish Products started in 2006. How has your company evolved and transformed over the years? And what are some of the impact you've seen over the years? Well, I think one of the biggest things is a little bit of what I shared before about just survivor leadership and what we've yeah. seen there. You know, when we started, we we sat we started with five women around a kitchen table and they were mm. putting beads together and making pieces of jewelry and then other yeah. people sell it for us or I would sell it online. And but over time, I feel like we've developed into a, a strong business model. And now women in our program, there's some women who Almost all of them had learned to make jewelry at one point, but some of them haven't made jewelry in years <laughs> because mm. they're doing the product development or yeah. they're um, wow. they're doing sourcing of raw materials and connecting with raw material suppliers. So, you know, they have all their different roles. And I think we really realized in the cities where we were teaching them how to just do the manual labor of making the jewelry, it wasn't a sustainable job for them. It's not transferable skills that they can take to another job. And so, so when they come in, I think being able to join the production line and make the jewelry is healing and therapeutic for them. And they have a season where they're able to kind of get used to having a normal schedule and being part of a community and all of that. But, but it's those higher level skills that really I think is transformative for them. And we found that once a woman is trained in those higher level skills and our program, we've never had a woman who was in a leadership role and been trained in those higher level skills return to the brothels. Mm-hmm. And so I think that is very telling because we see a lot of organizations that we connect with and talk with, you know, huge amounts, large percentage of the women end up back in human trafficking mm-hmm. or back in exploitation. But I found once they're trained in those higher level jobs and they can see a a future for them that goes in a different path. I feel that women aren't going back into the brothels and they're able to, you know, make a new life for themselves outside of of that lifestyle. And so I think that's been really encouraging to see, Mm -hmm. to be honest, the women have far exceeded my expectations when we began. They're doing incredible things. One of the women in our program just took her CPA license last week and, um, and she came to us at 17 and hadn't graduated from high school. And now she's wow. working on her CPA license. So I think just to see the things that they've been able to achieve when when they're provided an opportunity, but then more importantly, they're, they step out and they start to see their own talents, their own gifts, and they really believe in themselves and what they can achieve is yeah. just incredible. Yeah. And I mean, that's a testament to you guys growing this company because you can only have those higher level jobs with a growing company, like with more (laughs) demand on these higher level skill sets. So, wow, this just shows the power of when you support a company like this, you are literally supporting the talents as well and the the lives. 
<laughs> that is um that is incredible at Starfish. I've started to see very directly over the years how the sales of our jewelry is a very direct impact to how many women we can support and how many women we can we can help start a new life. And so so yeah, the jewelry purchases really have an incredible impact. So we yeah. we can't provide those job opportunities without the sales and the as you said, as the business grows, what we can offer people and jobs and training and even what they're able to do after they leave yeah. us go on to another job is much better when the company has grown and, yeah. and over the years. That's so powerful. Incredible. Now, I'm sure there's been challenges along the way. <laughs> yeah. So can you share with us what's been one of the biggest challenges you've faced over the years? <laughs> yeah, I would say for us, 2022 was a rough year. Really? <laughs> Yeah, it was because we had whole seasons. I think the world had kind of moved on from COVID and we were still in like really strict lockdowns. And so we would have like month and a half, two months at a time where we we were like locked in our homes or not able to go into our offices. And so, you know, working with very vulnerable people when you can't leave your house for weeks at a time. This is really challenging. And, but I was so incredibly proud of our team. Like they just rallied together. And I live in a kind of migrant village in the city where a lot of the women at Starfish also live. And so there were seasons where they kind of locked down the different neighborhoods and we could go within our neighborhood, but we weren't allowed to leave our neighborhood. And so women would come to my house and we did all of our marketing and the fourth quarter out of my family room and um but you know we'd have one photographer working and then the next day she would be like locked in her house because there was a cake or something like that but our team just the next person would step up and do whatever was needed and they really cared for each other we had women who had just come out of the brothels a few months before and then they were delivering food to other women who were stuck in their apartments and they were using oh. fishnets. They put food in the fishnet and like deliver it up wow. to women in their apartments because they, they couldn't leave. And oh. so I, uh, it was incredibly challenging, but I feel like our team has never been closer because people really stepped up to care for each other and yeah. really they were community to each other. And yeah. it was really powerful to see, but definitely very challenging. Yeah. For sure. wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what I believe though, is with adversity, like good things come out of it. And yeah, I'm sure you guys are stronger together yeah. than ever before. Wow. <laughs> wow. So as someone who works very closely with survivors of human trafficking in a very sensitive part of the world, I know you must have to be very careful and intentional about how you do storytelling. So yes. actually, I, yeah, I want you to help us, I guess, dive into that. Like, yeah. we all know storytelling is crucial for fair trade products and fair trade businesses. Right. But how do we do it ethically? How do we do it in a way that is safe and, and just, right. especially working with the vulnerable? Yeah. yeah. Well, that has been really great at Starfish because as we have more women working in marketing, it's actually women in our program who are often creating the content that we're putting out there. So of course we didn't start that way, but that's been exciting to see them say, oh, I want to share this story. Mm -hmm. And they put it out there themselves, which I think is of course the ideal scenario. Yeah. <laughs> but for me, I, I really 
work side by side with the women in our program. So they're my friends, they're my colleagues, they're my community. And so I think when we tell stories, I always encourage people to think of how would you want your friend's story told? You know, these are real people (laughs) and and the story. And so I'm telling you my, my dear friend's story. And I think if you can view it in that way, when you're telling people stories, I think that's really important. Also, we really try to focus on the hope side of the story. And over time, I've realized that we all have our our different traumas and it might not be human trafficking, but everybody has some some form of of trauma. And I think if you think about how you you would want that told, and yeah, I I think it's important to, to honor people's stories. We also never ask people to share more than they want to share, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, um, which I think is really important, kind of letting them lead what they, they want to put out there, what they want to be told, I yeah. think is, is important. For instance, the other day we have a woman in our program and she has, I've known her for years and she's never wanted her picture taken, never wanted her story told. And we, we never pushed her. And then recently we were talking about our mission, which is restoring hope to exploited women. And she stood up in one of our meetings and she said, yes, we are doing this. And she said, I know because I'm a woman who had no hope and now I have hope. Mm -hmm. And she said, for years, I wanted to share my story, but now I see it differently. I see that I have hope now and I want people to know about it. So I'm ready to share my story. Nobody asked her, nobody pushed her, but all of a sudden she's like, no, I'm in a place in my life. I want to share my story. And I think that's really powerful, but I think that needs to be her choice and her decision. (laughs) I mean, it sounds like you create an environment where healing can happen so that they find their voice and they they find the power in their story. That is so powerful. I guess, is there anything you've seen in the fair trade or, you know, social enterprise world where you would want to see better storytelling? Because like I said, storytelling is so crucial in what we're doing. It's so important. So like, I guess, is there any area that you're like, I wish we could do better at that? Yeah, I do think like focusing on on hope, you know, I think it is a, it can be a dark topic and any person, you know, when we share the the really bad things that happen, I, I feel like, yeah, that can be touching. But I think what's what's most exciting and what's most touching is to see what people are achieving and what they are experiencing now and how they've grown, how they are finding the passions in their life, you know? Yeah. And so I think if we can focus on that much more than the sad parts of yeah. their story, I think that's uplifting it to everyone the the reader the person whose story is being shared um, yeah yeah no that's good that's so good now so I actually stumbled upon your team at the recent Fairtrade Federation conference that was here in California in Long Beach and was so excited to meet them and so I'm curious how did you Living in Asia, how did you stumble upon Fine Fair Trade Federation? How did you become a member? And how has joining them, I guess, impacted you as a business? Yeah. Well, it's been great to be a part of the Fair Trade Federation. I, I found it was really through our customers, people started telling us about the Fair Trade Federation wow. years ago. 
ago when, when we first started selling and we started having little boutiques who were interested, but a lot of the boutiques really had strong fair trade values. And um, so they shared with us about the Fair Trade Federation and mm-hmm. we looked into it. And then, you know, of course we were so behind their their values and their way of doing things. And so we became a part of that community and it's it's been really great. I think it's a super great network of people and people with a common purpose. And then even now, a lot of, I know a lot of our customers will only buy from fair trade members and and it's really important to them. And so, Mm -hmm. so I think it's a great opportunity for networking and collaboration, but also I think even being part of that can help grow your business as well. And these days, I mean, we already cared about, about those principles, you know, but Uh, I think other people knowing that, that you care about that and then have it, there's credibility behind that. I think it's important mm -hmm. for, for brands. (laughs) Yeah. So you would recommend it for small businesses. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. It's been great for us. Before we dive back into today's episode, let's take a moment to shine a spotlight on something truly remarkable. Did you know that the Starfish Project is a proud member of the Fair Trade Federation? The Fair Trade Federation, or the FTF, is an inspiring trade association comprised of verified fair trade enterprises. These enterprises are deeply committed to fostering equitable and sustainable trading partnerships. They're grounded in community values and work tirelessly to support and strengthen one another, all while advancing a global movement in trade, one that values the health of the planet and the labor, dignity, and equality of all people. Being a part of this vibrant community of fair trade enterprises comes with numerous benefits. So... If you're an entrepreneur yourself running a social enterprise and you're eager to get involved, visit the membership section at the fairtradefederation.org website. You can discover what it takes to become verified. And mark your calendars because coming this November is the eagerly anticipated Fair Trade Federation Holiday Gift Guide. It is a curated collection of ethical and fair trade gifts that will make your holiday season even more special. But friends, there's even more. Save the date for a truly momentous event. Join us for the 30th anniversary Fair Trade Federation Conference and Expo happening from March 26th to 28th, 2024 in the vibrant city of Richmond, Virginia. Stay tuned for updates and details at thefairtradefederation.org. The Fair Trade Federation, the future of responsible trade. Now, let's get back into this great episode. Good. So you're running your business. Many of our listeners are small business owners and they either have a small team or they are a one person team, two people team. How do you make it work? Give us some practical tips on how you can run a successful fair trade business that's operating globally in multiple continents. Like how do you make it work? Yeah. Well, I think when you're working internationally and you have teams from different cultures or things like that, I think it's incredibly important that you are building relationship as much as you can. You know, I mentioned we had three years where we couldn't see each other face to face, but we in our meetings, we try to share how people are growing, give space for people to connect and to Mm. build relationship, to share yeah, to share some of their needs or their challenges and, and make space within the business for people to also open up and for them to know each other and trust each other. I think that's incredibly important, especially when you're dealing cross-culturally 
you really need to give people the benefit of the doubt because there's mm-hmm. lots of room for misunderstanding or even like yeah. we'll make mistakes in language. And, yes. <laughs> and so knowing that if you trust the person, you see like, oh, this must be a mistake and how they yeah. said it. You know, you give each other the benefit of the doubt. But if you don't know each other and you don't trust each other, it's really easy to like assume the worst. Yeah. And uh, so I think I wouldn't underestimate the importance of like building relationships with your team and and them building relationship with each other so I think ultimately people will show up for each other if they care about each other and they believe in each other and want to see each other successful (laughs) so we often talk about at Starfish Project we feel like we're a team of people coming from different cultures different backgrounds different education levels but trying to create a business that we all feel proud to work at Mm. And I think if you come at it with that mindset, especially in the fair trade world or in the kind of social enterprise, I also think in the nonprofit world, there's a focus on like beneficiaries and that sort of language. And we've tried at Starfish really to focus on that we are a team from different cultures, different backgrounds and Mm -hmm. and different education levels with our different traumas, but we're part of the same team Mm -hmm. and it's not, I'm the helper and you're the helpy, that sort Mm -hmm. of thing. And I think that's also really important. You know, Mm -hmm. people have their very different gifts here and women who've studied like full Photoshop in our our program, I'll go to them and be like, hey, I, I don't know how to do this. Can you help me? And you know, I think being able to recognize that no matter whether you went to school or not, um, people are trained up and they're different skills and they they bring those gifts to the table and really honoring those no matter who's technically the beneficiary. (laughs) I just think taking that mindset away out of the organization is really important as well. And especially in in the fair trade space. Yeah, that is what you shared is so crucial and so beautiful. It sounds like you built a really healthy and just beautiful culture. And I think more companies probably need to adapt that. And I would say that that goes with storytelling too. It's the the equality part. It's like seeing everyone as just we're we're all the same, but then we're we we got our own strengths and talents and we all bring something to the table and yeah. And also what you shared about the giving people the benefit of the doubt. I work with artisans in Haiti and yeah, like very different, you know, language there. They speak Creole and sometimes through communicating at WhatsApp, I'm sure they're using Google Translate or something, some translation that I'm like, what did you just tell me? <laughs> what did you, uh, what are you trying to communicate? But yeah, you just got to have that trust there. Like they're, you know, there's, yeah. <laughs> there's a beautiful relationship here. So yeah, so yeah. true. <laughs> so yeah, you were, you shared a little bit earlier, but you guys recently launched Starfish in the UK. That is so incredible. Huge congrats on that. Tell us about that opportunity and those accomplishments. Yeah, it's been amazing. Um, We've had people in the UK for years who really were excited about Starfish Project, wanted more opportunities to to get involved. And we've even had one of our branches was started by a British woman. And so we had had British board members, you know, we've had a lot of excitement 
in the UK, but never really easy ways for people to be able to order without it getting held up in customs. <laughs> and, mm. and so recently we formed a partnership with another nonprofit called Treasure Seekers, and they are employing and doing job training for vulnerable adults. And so we are par- formed a partnership with them. And so we send them all of the, all of our jewelry and then with their team, they are able to do job training and help people through being able to ship out our jewelry. So it was encouraging to me that we could kind of take two different organization strengths, both trying to work with marginalized people and be able to provide job opportunities um, yeah. in that way. So, so I think that's really encouraging as well. And then, and then we didn't have to go set up a huge structure in the UK, but just really form a partnership with people who are already doing great work there. Wow. That's so cool. So you were able to figure out all the logistics and customs and everything. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, I feel like in any business, there's always things you're still working at. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that problems come up and such, but yeah, it's been quite smooth and we've been excited to see kind of excited to see people's response to the mm-hmm. products there. And we're hoping to also set up a uh, charity there as well, but we're kind of in the, that's still in the works. Wow. <laughs> it's a little complicated and trying to figure that out right now. Yeah. Wow. That's so exciting. Super exciting. I can't wait for Starfish to be in more, even more places. <laughs> it's so neat. I know we could talk for hours. <laughs> even logistics alone is another thing that I'm like, I would love to dive into that at a later time. Maybe we'll have you come back to do a training or something. <laughs> But we want to end our episode with a fun question. What is your personal favorite product from the Starfish Project? (laughs) Yeah, so I think for me, the I love our gift sets. We, we've come out with different kinds of gift sets each year for the last three or four years. And um, I love great packaging, yes. <laughs> especially when it comes to gifting. And one of the things I love about our gift sets is that you don't have to, you don't have to wrap it. You know, it comes yeah. already beautifully packaged and then there's like cute little boxes inside. So it's super easy, super cute. It's, it's People always get excited. We try to also make it a great experience. So even if you ship it to your mom or you ship it to your sister, whoever, when it comes, it's already beautifully packaged and they get to open it and kind of have that experience. And yeah, yeah, and as far as the jewelry, I always love a great turquoise. Oh, (laughs) me too. I love turquoise. So we have actually one of our best selling products is this necklace, the braid and necklace, and it's a little turquoise necklace. And I just, I just love it. Oh, I loved anything turquoise too. <laughs> but yeah, I I can I'm a witness to your beautiful packaging because you guys generously donated a gift set last year to our auction, our Fair Trade auction for Fair Trade Month. And you guys are doing it again this year. And this year's set is beautiful too. I love the color. So this is gonna be a nice surprise for our audience. <laughs> We're gonna be able to feature you guys in our fair package. So, anyways, I'm just so proud of yeah, the quality and also the packaging and the presentation. I could tell you guys put a lot of love and energy behind that. Thank you. Thank you. I feel it's important that the women feel really proud of the product that we put out. I want them yeah. to really take pride in it. And so I think when it's beautiful, it's also really empowering for them as well to see what they created. 
Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Now this season, we also want to end every episode asking our guests this one question. Many of our listeners work in the social justice world as well. How do you stay hopeful on this journey of fighting for a better world? What is a tip or a practice or even just a mindset that you want to pass along to help us all stay hopeful on this journey? Yeah. Well, I do think it's really helpful to write down the wins. You know, there's a lot of challenges along the way. And when you have something goes really well, you have a win, like record it. And there's times where I've been stressed and I'll actually get our team together and put a paper in the middle and ask everybody like, write down what you're thankful for, what you've seen happen here that's encouraged you. And I think they think I'm doing it for them. (laughs) It's because I need some encouragement. And I think when you can kind of reflect and, and even see like, wow, these, you know, we're, we have this challenge over here, but we've seen all of these wonderful things happen. It gives you the faith to know that, okay, it's going to work out in the end. And this thing that we don't know how to solve it right now, it's going to get solved, you know, Um, being able to, to reflect and see where you come from and all the challenges and how they've, they've worked together. And I think that's, uh, (laughs) that's always encouraging to me. So I'd say, write it down, record it. And if you can't think of them, bring your team together and write it down together. And it's a great team building activity. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then we usually post it on the wall for a while for everyone. I think it's encouraging to everyone. Actually, I think that's a beautiful practice is to actually post it up. Because yeah, yeah, it's, it's, Obviously, we talk about the importance of gratitude and how we have to think about what we're thankful for, but actually writing it down and posting it up is, I feel like, even more powerful and a very practical thing we should all do. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That is, honestly, that's so encouraging because, yeah, we're all trying to fight for a better world. And some of the times these, these issues seem so daunting and huge, but it's the one life at a time, like. The, yeah. the little things <laughs> yeah the little wins and it's so important so thank you thank you so much for sharing all your wisdom and on you've learned on this journey with us thank you jenny for your time oh, thank you i really appreciate <laughs> being here and i know you're just starting your day so have a have a beautiful day on that on that side of the world <laughs> <laughs> thanks you too <laughs> I don't know about you, but I am so encouraged to learn about what Starfish Project is accomplishing in Asia. Successfully keeping girls out of brothels and truly elevating them through skilled job training. There is so much that happens behind a fair trade product that we don't even see. I just love supporting fair trade brands who are out there changing the world one life at a time. Starfish Project is launching their new gift sets and holiday collections this fall and is giving our listeners $10 off their entire purchase at starfishproject.com. Just use code FAIRTRADELA10 at checkout. That is F-A-I-R-T-R-A-D-E-1-0. And the code is active until the end of the year. As always, you can find this information and more in our show notes at fairtradela.org slash podcast. Bye for now. I want to thank the creative team behind the Fair Talks podcast, our executive producer, Juliette Bucquerel, our editor, Kaden Sullivan, our marketing team, Jasmine French, Elena Alcero, and Lizzie Case. 
hope you enjoy this episode of the Fair Talks podcast. Thank you for being a part of our community and sharing the fair trade message. Thank you again to our sponsor, Fair Trade USA, for making this possible. Now, are you ready to create change? The next time you're out shopping, just pick up one fair trade item to buy, like coffee, chocolate, or bananas, and make a difference. Ask your office, church, business, school, or your family to shop more fair. If you have any questions or want to learn more, head over to fairtradela.org slash podcast for show notes, discount codes, and additional resources. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And follow us on social media at FairTradeLA to join our amazing community of fair trade lovers. Tune in to our next Fair Talks conversation to hear more life-changing stories. Thanks for listening.